Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of Next on the Platform. This week I'm joined by Michael Collard Pietro. And I think I got that wrong. I stuffed up your first name in, in <laughs> nervous. You got the last, last name, name right in the, the first, first name, name wrong. wrong. Yeah, exactly. So we're off, Unreal. To, we're off to a great start today. Um, I have actually heard people pronounce it wrong. And I think I saw a story about maybe Angelo posted a story about people saying your last name wrong or something a while ago. So I had a bit of a giggle. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Now, um, I've got some, we've got some topics to go through, but um, just right off the bat, uh, introduce yourself and then um, we'll jump into your training. Yeah, all right. Uh, Michael Cole to Pietro, like you, like you said, half of that, right? And yeah, Angelo <laughs> always makes a point to, to throw in the last name if he ever mentions me on Two White Lights because he and I have some conversations. So uh, yeah, 25-year-old uh, powerlifter, um, number 28, uh, all-time total in the uh, IPF as a 74. Uh, I identify more as a 74 kg lifter, but ironically this year I'm going to be doing two meets, uh, USPA. So uh, those are a little bit different weight classes, 75 kg with a deadlift bar. So um, I think that we might be we might be talking about that a little bit, why that happens uh, throughout the podcast this year. Um, but yeah, so uh, been doing this since been powerlifting since uh my first meet was october 2016 but been doing it seriously uh since about june 2018 which is when i kind of stopped doing cookie cutter programs and started actually taking training a little bit more seriously so I, so even though i'm 25 i know we talked about age before i'm still a little bit powerlifting young um mm. uh that's what i got i mean uh, best numbers, I guess, uh, 260 squat, uh, 155 bench and a 295 deadlift on a stiff bar and 305 on a deadlift bar in meets. So, so, so you said 2016, you got into it seriously. Mm-hmm. No, 2018, I got into 2018, it. 2018, sorry. So 2016, you started. Yeah. I mean that, tra- that transition from cookie cutter to getting a coach or just doing your own programming, that's. Some, t- some people take longer than others and, and whatever, but I mean, once you're off it, it's uphill from there, I guess, and it has been for you. Um, so one of the funnier things that I've seen is your at-home wooden rack, which I notice is actually made quite well, but... You, you, <laughs> made well enough to hold 500 pounds, which is all we all I need. Exactly, and I mean, I saw a caption the other day, you mentioned that training on a wooden bench at home and then going and using a fat pad is cheating. Um, how did you go? And especially with the rotator cuff injury, how did you go, uh, benching at home all that time on? And because I know some people, if they had to use a wooden rack, they would kick up a fuss. They would have a big cry. I mean, myself, I'm a bit fussy about equipment, but like, uh, you know, training on a wooden rack, you're one of the only people who've done it. How is it? Well, I mean, it's funny because before before lockdown, I probably would have told you I'm one of the more high maintenance people when it comes to equipment. I mean, I, I love my OPB and kilos as much as the next guy, right? But uh, when it came down to it, um, it was kind of it was it was out of necessity. Obviously, I mean, everybody was doing what we had to do. Uh, but I mean, I I thought that I was when I was building this, I took like such good care. Um, to, to measure out my whole heights and stuff and to make sure that the bench was the comp spec and all this kind of stuff. I had, um, I actually had my one buddy who Manny shout out, Manny, if he's listening, uh, he had a combo rack in his basement. I had him go measure from the height of the ground up to where I squat my squat setting on the combo and drilled the holes. And, uh, 
just ended up measuring wrong. So my squat holes and my bench holes were both about an inch and a half <laughs> off from where I would like them, even though I took all that care. So I was unracking from something that was too low. I did some crazy stuff where like to get the bench to the right height, cause it kind of, the wood kind of like, uh, as it dried out, it kind of shrunk a little bit and kind of warped. So I would be like benching with the bench on two 10 pound plates that made it even more unstable. Uh, and all I have is like that yoga mat that's on top of it. I don't, if like, if you can see it, so there's all kinds of instability. Cause I am also, uh, absolutely not a carpenter man. So that was, it was weird. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that you mentioned the rotator cuff injury. I think that's probably where it started to be honest, was that real, like a ton of instability on the bench and then just kind of pushing through it. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of my upper body days there, even back when, uh, gyms started to open up. I was still doing a lot of my bench and upper body days down in the basement because I had it. Um, and going in through uh, prep for me in October, I was just having a lot of nagging shoulder injuries um, or one nagging shoulder injury. It just kept, it just kept nagging all throughout prep. Um, and I ended up doing meets on back-to-back weekends um, because of some reasons that was silly, but um I had the rogue fat pad for the meet the first weekend and it actually ended up being great because that was kind of what saved my shoulder. Um, went to, it was a ghost combo for the second meet and it just wasn't saving my shoulder. It was already really beat up on my third bench attempt there. Like I was dealing with pain all day, even like warming up with just, with just one red, uh, on the third bench attempt to just, did you say you did, you you said you did a meet two weeks in a row is that what you just said oh yeah i did a meet two weeks in a row uh <laughs> the first one was a usapl meet in sleeves and the second one was a uspa meet in wraps so i did concurrent training for a sleeve meet and a wraps meet also shout out jeff thompson my coach at the time who helped me through that because it was it was miserable and how uh, do you go about getting yourself into that situation well uh, so, you know how, uh, USAPL raw nationals got canceled, mm. um, for 2020. So that was supposed to be in October. And that was kind of like what my meet schedule was lining up to be. So when that got canceled, the, um, the, the gym that I train at my home gym at the time, surge of new levels was hosting a untested USPA meet with cash prizes. So I signed up for that. I hopped in and I was like, you know what, let's do a meet at the same time. Um, and then a little bit later down the road, Steve DeNovi had the the idea to put together the Midwest primetime meet, which I don't know if you saw anything about that, but he put that together and I was like, uh, you know, for kind of lifters in the Midwest, a little primetime meet. And I was like, man, I can't pass that up either. And they were on back-to-back weekends and both were cash prize meets. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. You only live once. You're only young once basically. And uh, ended up ended up developing a hip injury and a rotator cuff injury you throughout have, that. only have one set of shoulders and <laughs> one hip. <laughs> and as you found yeah. out, and, and how have you been since the rotator cuff injury? Was it just like a, a pain or did it actually some sort of like physical, like, you know, proper injury that you had and had to get checked out? So I never, I never ended up getting it checked out, but there were a few times throughout my own like little personal rehab that I thought about it. It was kind of this thing where I was just, I was in pain and I was pressing, pressing through the pain and then just lost the ability to press. Um, I just, it just like, it was, I didn't feel a pop. I don't know if there was anything going on. It just, I lost the ability to keep pressing. It was more than muscular failure. So after that meet, it just anything, anything beyond, um, 
grip width wider than pinkies inside the ring just really really i couldn't even bench more than a plate uh with that so i just i went into like full-on you know do what you can mode but also with it with all my grip was with in my pinkies inside the ring and that actually ended up i think being like my saving grace because now i ended up taking my grip in um my comp grip since then after like getting healthy like it's it's all good now feels great it took a couple months to get to that point where i could go wider than that um but i took my grip out and i actually hit um a 365 bench with pinkies inside the ring uh and my, where my comp max is 353 so is that, i actually got stronger was that a larson or is that i'm trying to just uh, definitely see some <laughs> of your training you've been doing some larson <laughs> And is 365, that's that's like 160 kilos. Hey, that's two reds and a blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, but it was on pound plates, so I called it 365. Uh, uh-huh. But that was with my feet down. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, Larson is a staple in my training, um, especially because like I can do it after squats with without any kind of uh, hip irritation, where a lot of times where if I do comp bench after squats, I know that's what you got to do in a meet. You got to do it. So I do it. But if I do that three, four times a week, because I'm benching four or four to five times a week and squatting three, uh, it just takes a toll. So I take two of the days that I bench after I squat and I make them Larson and it really helps. I like that approach because one of the things I see and kind of irritates me a little bit is this like wave of hyper specificity where people think they have to train week in, week out how they're going to compete and it's reality like in an off season you don't need to you don't even need to pause your bench you don't even need to um i mean that's the only one that i can think of you know obviously lock out your deadlifts and stuff but you don't even need to pause your bench if you if you as long as you're benching you will transition back into pause so people who like you just said um after squats i'm not going to do comp comp bench because lower back hips whatever and it's like people some people would be like oh but on the day and like you just said blah 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 but i think in the off season it's super important to like take a step back and realize that in the off season you're like a like a bodybuilder almost you're getting bigger you're trying to put on muscle while still doing the same movement that's that's at least how i view it it's like as soon as my you know in the off season i'm a bodybuilder even on prep as soon as I've done my comp stuff. I'm a bodybuilder for the rest of the, the rest of the session when I'm doing my um, pull downs and stuff like that. And you know, you got to take different views. But um, I yeah, I like that you do the last and after because you just got to work with like what you have. And if you can't do it, you can't do it, and you just get around it somehow. That's really interesting that you said that too, because one of the most important, I think, mindset changes that I've made uh within like the last six months is that exactly what you said you're a bodybuilder once the once the big three movements are done because i think that it's really easy to fall into the trap and i know i did that's why i say it's easy to do so where you're like oh well i'm gonna do my accessory movements like a power lifter i'm gonna hit i'm gonna you you know i'm gonna do and i think sean noriega talks about it too where it's like do you really know what the rp of your accessories are like you do a set of 12 and it was hard but you could have done 26 Mm. So are you doing it at RP negative four or whatever? It's like the, like you just said that that mentality of doing your accessories, like a bodybuilder, um, is the only reason I've actually seen some leg growth in my legs for the first time in, in my entire life, really. Mm. And I think there's a big difference between like, um, barbell movements and just dumbbell movements or cable, et cetera, because the, um, bar, you know, like barbell, with fatigue, technical breakdown, that will just crush you essentially on a bench press. You know, if you get too close to failure, technical failure, and then you're going to get pinned, right? But like on a dumbbell press, 
that with fatigue, how much technical failure can you really have? Like it's a dumbbell press. Your one, you know, say you have an imbalance that spikes up close to failure, that probably won't even throw you off their dumbbells. So it's like, I think people have more in them, and that's one of the things that I'm gonna probably post on the account is about like training your accessories like you're a bodybuilder. Um, and that's one of the things that I've seen with my training. I'm quite confident in the bench press, right? So when I do my upper body days, I smash my accessories, right? Um, and because I'm like injury free and I don't have any issues with my upper body, right? But w and, and if you've seen my training, you probably see that my bench is a little bit more impressive than my other lifts. Uh, and when it comes to lower body stuff, I've had lower back injuries, I've had an adductor strain, and this is before I had a coach, this is just cookie cutter stuff. But since then, I've, I've had that lack of confidence and um, just, I don't have the ability to train as hard in my accessories because I'm always nervous, oh, am I going to fatigue my lower back or am I going to this or that? And, and, and that's where I've seen less, uh, less strength gains. So it may or may not be this, but... I train my bench accessories harder than I train my lower body, lower body accessories and my bench is better than my lower body stuff. So, you know, whatever you want to attribute that to, but that's what I think it is and it's something that I want to work on. But yeah, inevitably, I think it's, you know, I train harder in my accessories and that's where you grow muscle at the end of the day. Right. Well, I mean, and, and that's anecdotal, but I have the exact same anecdote in the reverse direction. Like I, I've ever since I got out of college, I've called myself the anti bro. Like I, I, a lot of my friends know that I hate getting arm pumps. Like I just don't like doing, I space out my upper body accessories so far to the point that like, I actually can negate the pump. So my upper body days take a long time because I'm trying to avoid that. But I mean, I will go and kill my legs because that's what I like. And, and, and for me, you know, squat and deadlift are, are way more impressive than my bench are just comparatively. And I, I agree with you hundred percent that it's just like, I'm willing to get in there and crush my legs. I'm not willing to get in there and crush my back or my shoulders. It's. And, and you're going to, you like, I had this conversation with my coach, you are going to get better at what you enjoy. So if you enjoy getting a leg pump, you're going to get a better leg pump. You know, sometimes I'll do a set of, you know, at the end of a workout, I do a set of whatever, like Bulgarian split squats and I get to the end of the set and I was like, I didn't even count or I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even try to balance on that leg and, and, and increase stability. Like, and that doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And, and that sort of thing, like I, I definitely pay closer attention. Like I'll even record my dumbbell presses and watch it back and like watch my wrist and elbow <laughs> angle and that sort of thing. Like I'm pretty vain with that sort of thing because I train at home. I can do that. Um, whereas, right. le whereas legs, I'm, I'm never going to set up my camera to record a set of Bulgarians. Like I just, you know, I'm not doing it. Um, so yeah, it's like what you enjoy and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I just generally... Like people don't train their accessories hard enough. And, and then no, I mean, yeah. I, so I started when I started coaching myself, like I'll give myself, uh, I'll give myself like silly names in my programs or whatever. And I remember like the first program I wrote for myself uh, in, in 2019, it was take accessories seriously 2k19 that was the name of my program i'm like i don't care what's going to happen for the first couple blocks and then you know inevitably inevitably you kind of fall off with it because it's mm -hmm. like it's something that at least for me and i think for a lot of people that i've seen it takes a lot more mental effort to then yeah. like to finish your set of squats like man i just i just i did a five by five on back squat I'm, my legs are trash and now you're telling me I got to go hit single leg dumbbell RDLs and Bulgarian split squats. Like you got to be kidding me, but <laughs> yeah. I really, yeah, I have a hip instability problem in one of my hips and my coach 
will not take Bulgarians out of my program. <laughs> and like, hey, I think they're a great exercise. Like, it builds stability and muscle at the same time. Single leg stuff, great. I love single single leg, single arm. But man, those Bulgarians, unilateral everything, man. Everything. That's, that's. I think it's the name of the game. Mm. But say I've just done a like you know uh, a few heavy sets of squats, and then I have to go and do you know. Uh, Bulgarians and if I put my my leg up behind me it like my lower, my lower back wants to cramp up because my hip flexors are tired and all this stuff like, it's like oh man I'm just trying to get through the three by eight or whatever it is yeah um, yeah but I mean yeah unilateral stuff is fantastic I in every every program I write I put it in um but I mean at the end of the day like there's only you know not many people post their accessories uh, I post my accessories like maybe once a month um, but the people that, that I do see doing accessories, like they'll just half-ass it or their technique, they'll have like a nice bench press. And then I see them do dumbbell press and it's like this, what even is that? Like, what is that technique? You know? And it's like, you should, why stop putting in a hundred percent effort? It's like, <laughs> cause it's so much easier to, man. I know, like I, I, I'll tell you for myself cause I'm back to programming myself again and coaching myself and I won't even give myself something like an inclined dumbbell press because I, I just like, I'll record it and I'll hate the way it looks. And I'll be like, you know what? I, I can get a similar stimulus with a machine. I like the way it feels better. So I'm going to, but like, there are things like that. Like it, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's some things you got to do that you hate, and that's one of them. But like, there's sometimes easier ways to do it. But yeah, I I know what you're saying. Where it's just like that's where that's where a lot of the gains can be made, especially outside of a meat prep, like especially in an off season type thing. And I think one of the things about um accessories like that, like you just said, you don't know how, like how it looks. It's funny that you say that because I I would say I have okay bench technique, like it's probably above average. But when I go and do a dumbbell press. And I watch it or like not even watching it back, how it feels, it just feels like shit. Like I'm doing it properly. I've seen other people do it. I've checked my form. I've recorded it from angles. I know I'm doing it right, but it just feels horrible. And I think one of the things like is um, manipulating like uh, your, how much you wing your shoulders. So like neutral or normal. Um, and mm -hmm. I play around with that, but like I agree with, you know, and I trained at a home gym, so I can't just opt for the machine. But yeah, some, some some accessories just don't feel right, and as long as they're not causing pain, like I'm not going to stop doing dumbbell presses. But it doesn't feel nice, and I don't enjoy doing it, and I don't enjoy picking up 50 kilos off the ground in each hand after I've just, you know, like. It, I swear, if I could have, seriously, if I could have somebody drop dumbbells into my oh. hands, like in my loaded position already, yeah, I I promise you, I would do so much more dumbbell pressing. Dude, I'm tall, and if it's, I if I put my shoes back on to do accessories, it's like a mega RDL to get to get the the kilos off the ground to do a dumbbell press. And by the time I get up to here, I'm like, oh, well, my hamstrings have gotten, my hamstrings have gotten bigger now doing that. Now let's do some chest press. You know, it's frustrating. You, you gotta you gotta get into Oli, and you gotta get like you gotta get like a oh. hang clean on the dumbbell up, yeah. and then you launch it onto your lap, and you punch your lap. And you're like, man, mm -hmm. this is. And now I gotta actually do the movement. No, yeah. no, that, thank that you. Wasn't that wasn't the hard was the part. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the hard part. Come on. I'm the last person so. you'll ever speak to that could do Olympic lifting. My mobility is just horrible. My coach is a physio, and he said my ankle mobility is the worst that he's ever seen, <laughs> which is always a nice thing to hear. But it is, you know, like it's I just. Yeah, and that's why. My Wait, so do you do you squat in do you squat in heels? Yeah, I squat in the Nike. Is it Romelio or the, whatever? There, how do you pronounce I, it? 
No clue. I was just gonna mm. say I hope you don't ask me how to pronounce it. It's I hear bad I've as heard people say I call him Romaleos, but mm. I've heard I've, I've heard that the right way is Romaleos. I don't know. Uh, whatever. That and your last name. I can't pronounce either of them. Um, um, yeah, so I squat in those. They got a pretty decent heel. I, I, I came from the Addy Power Lifts and I swapped over to the Nike ones. And okay. the Nike ones um, are way better. Like, the, for a start, the, the, the inches, the heel is taller. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. better. Um, right. Yeah, like, because of my ankle mobility, my knees can't go f- too far forward. And then it, you know, mm-hmm. my knees used to shoot back, which would load up my lumbar. And then. You load your, if you load your lumbar on squats and your deadlift technique isn't perfect, you're, it's going to get like, and obviously mine Well, is you're going to even be cash for bench, not just ca- yeah, cash yeah, for exactly. bench and deadlifts. Yeah, exactly. So it's been a whole, it's been a very long journey over the last year, learning to hinge and learning to get my spine neutral. And it's sort of all coming together now. I think I'm in, I think I'm in the shape now to have a really good off season now that I'm sort of nailing all those little technical things. Cause it adds up more than you, you know, like if you don't yeah. have an issue, right. So look at like i look at it like this right i have these issues that i can feel and i can see them and my coach can see them and i pay heaps of attention to them right and now and when they all come together it's going to be amazing that you like magic some, yeah. yeah it's gonna be magical <laughs> but like some people have these issues that they don't cause say it doesn't cause you any fatigue it doesn't cause you any pain it's like oh oh whatever like it's it's not impacting me it's- why would i fix it but it's like you might have that one now. You might have another one in four weeks, six months. You have, you know, so you've got three or four issues now. Imagine it's, what you could do if you fixed all of them and imagine what you could do if you put it all together. And in saying that, I haven't done anything in the last year to fix my ankle mobility, <laughs> but I have done things like what? like grow my quads so it's, that my lumbar doesn't take over and my squat looks better right. now. But I could have got more mobility, but I like the way I squat it's, now is fine. But, um... <laughs> It's a bit hypocritical that I say that, but I think the other things have been really important. And if you have, you might have like three or four little things, but when you put it together and fix it, it could be one huge win for you. Right. Well, I mean, and and there, yeah, the whole reason for my, my question was I wanted to know what it, what your, cause I I know you've talked about your coach as a physio and I listened to that episode, just like if he was, if he was giving you anything specifically, because uh, I coach a lifter who. She just she just came off of me, and this is just funny because we were talking about like how much you hate doing the Bulgarians after your squats. One of the things that uh, that I've been having her doing uh, the first block post meet, uh, and she's she absolutely hates it more than anything is she's doing some ankle mobility stuff and her Bulgarians before squatting. Mm. So she'll so she's just like my legs are not okay. She hates it. Amanda hates it. I love it. Uh, but it's like. You know, she's she had the same like crazy ankle mobility problem, and I just, I I I think that squatting and flats like should be not a goal for everybody, but I think that they make the squat movement so much more natural mm. to the point where it's like if you can get into them, then it's great, and if you can't get into them, obviously you just you can't get into them. That's mm. that's the thing. Like lifting lifter heels are a, a tool for a reason. Mm. Uh, well, but I mean, especially in my own experience, I, I've wanted to go to flats. I just, I, for the longest time could not hit depth, uh, mm-hmm. without my heels. We'll put it this way. Yes. My coach has given me plenty of stuff and yes, I do not do it. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> and yes, that is, is he going to be listening to this? Uh, he's too busy. He's, you know, physio. He, he, I know he won't listen to this episode, but, um, yeah. And you know, I did it for a while and like everyone else, I just stopped doing it. Right. But it was, you know, ankle mobility. And like, I just literally just said, it wasn't like 
It was gonna, it was something that was gonna take six months. I saw a physio who's local because my coach doesn't live local to me. He's like, your Achilles is tightened up. He, I said, he's like, do you play sport? I said, I played soccer. I played football for nine exactly. nine years. <laughs> I, and he said, well, you know, being up on your toes all the time, the Achilles is shortened because you're plantar flexing. Um, and now when you try to go knees over toes. You can't, the Achilles won't lengthen, right? So not just that I have like bad calves or bad ankles, my actual Achilles had shortened. And he's like, yes. it might take eight months of heavy um, calf raises. Yes. Eight months every day, heavy yes. calf raises. <laughs> and I thought, oh. and just <laughs> as soon as he said it, I was like, I'm not doing it. I, I, I just, <laughs> and then, you know, and then COVID happened and I don't have a calf raise at my house anyway, so it w- I wouldn't have been possible. Um, but, yes. you know, and I think, it's good to have a stretch reflex. It's good, uh, and I and maybe I rely on it too much, but yeah. It's um, everybody. Yeah, I mean everybody. Everybody is individual to the way that their body needs to work, and that's yeah. That I think that goes back to what you said about like everybody has like maybe three or four things that might be one thing. It's just like everybody's body handles things so differently. Like while you were saying that, I'm just thinking of like how how ugly I think Amanda Lawrence's squat pattern is, but she's she's one one of if not the best in the world and her squat is the the best i would say in in the ipf but it's just like i watch it i don't think it looks good but it's insanely impressive Mm. well one of the things i posted was about the knee valgus thing and i think i mean i think it's fair to say that what she has is valgus it's not just internal rotation her her femur is rotating in and her tibia yes. is rotating out, so it's definitely. Yes. About it. But it's like, who's gonna who's gonna correct her for a start? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not right. saying anything to her. But it's like, and and I'm sure I'm sure she does like extra doctor work, extra this, extra that, and she just physically. Right. I mean, the squat. If if squat university saw that, she'd have to go back to body weight squat. <laughs> um, and and like you like you said, I was gonna go back to it. I do agree that it's a good goal to squat in flats, just because. We didn't come out of the womb squatting down in heels. Um, and, you know, that's the natural pattern is to squat bare feet. You should be able to do stuff without equipment. Like, fair yes. enough. I can't. Um, if I try to squat to depth without a super wide stance in bare feet, I'll fall over like a turtle. Uh, <laughs> and I won't be able to get back up. But um, I did try to squat in flats on safety bar. And I can get to, like, parallel in the saber deadlift shoes, but then mm-hmm. I have to butt wink to get to depth. And that's even with my wider stance. So yeah, I, I just can't, I can't do it without heels. Right. And, and that, yeah. And that's why, I mean, we both said it the same way, but that's why it's like, you know, it's a goal. It's not a necessity. I wouldn't be like, everybody needs to absolutely do this, but uh, I mean, you're trying it. That's the whole thing is like, maybe, maybe with a little bit more time and with a little bit more load, you get a little bit lower and a little bit lower and you can then hit it with, you know, with the safety bar and then you're still wearing your heels for comp squats. And then it, mm. but it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just, I, to me, it's just like another thing that, that we can just kind of work on where it's not like, it's not a necessity, but, but ultimately I think that I see a lot of people and myself is one of them. And Amanda, who's my lifter was another where like the heels might contribute to some technical breakdown at top end loads that I, that I am not sure would happen in flats. Where, I, where I've described it as I feel like I'm squatting on like on a teeter-totter on a rickety ocean or on a rickety boat on the ocean. Like it, that's how bad, that's how instable I feel, but I would throw them on to hit that thing comp and then just, and then close my eyes and pray that when I hit the hole, I wouldn't lose balance. 
So you actually find it super hard with heels. I uh, I mean, so so when I every single time after a comp, I'd go into an off season and I would immediately take the heels off. I'd go barefoot. I love lifting barefoot. Um, and then I and then I'll throw the heels back on, and it's always this transition period where I feel like I'm getting pitched forward and have to fight back too hard out of the hole. Then when I'm coming out of the hole fighting back. Now, while my body rebalances with the way that I squat, I have like a slight, a slight stripper squat or the good morning squat. And so I'm, it's, it's so much of this, this back and forth that makes it just me feel so unstable to the point where it's like, right, exactly. So instead it's just like, okay, I took with, with not having a competition for a long time after my last meet in October, like I was genuinely thinking my next meet would be um october 2021 for usapl run nationals when that was i was still thinking that that would be the calendar i was like i'm gonna take this time like and i'm actually gonna uh i'm actually gonna tempo my way down and i'm gonna load this as slow as i can to get to the point and and doing some extra ankle work uh on my you know over the next four or five months with my ankle mobility to get to the point where i could squat in flats again Mm. and now i mean i i still think i mean uh, you know, I'm one of the, <laughs> I'm one of the biggest people that'll like talk about squat depth on, on Instagram, but like, I struggle with it myself in flats too. Like there's some days where I'll record from the side. I'll be like, that wasn't it today. We gotta, you know, you're going to have to go deeper next time. So that's one of the things that I have. So you commented on my post when I made the post that depth won't be there on meet day. And I want to talk about your comment, but one of the things like depth to me, um, so I, need heels right and i couldn't squat to depth without them but when i put heels on i haven't had an issue with depth and you'll have to explain to me how and and maybe i'm ignorant of biomechanics because i haven't studied it yet but how if you have the ankle mobility and you can hit depth and you can hit depth on 70 kilos on 120 kilos when you get up to whatever you know 90 percent or more how do you not how do you not hit depth is it like a conscious choice or you know i think i'm at depth i think i'm at depth and i'll go up because i don't want to spend any more time with the the weight on my back or is it like i'm still going to squat as deep as i can like how i squatted when i was warming up and it's like oh i didn't hit depth like is it what is it because if you can hit depth warming up why can you not hit depth on 100 percent? and i'm not saying like you know because i i I only squat 225 so i only squat like 500 pounds (laughs) But it's like my ass is on the ground essentially in my in my if you see my comp photos, I'm without a doubt depth and I have bad mobility. Um, so I'm wondering like how can you not be hitting depth? And I, it's a stupid question, but you'll have to actually explain it to me. Well, I mean, I don't know I don't know if I'm the person to answer that. I'm not I'm not exactly the biomech boy. Uh, but I know for me, um, especially especially like leading into um, my last comp when I was squatting in the basement and I had like only a couple limited angles that I could record from. I had to like stop recording warmups because if I didn't have, I, I honestly don't think I could have hit depth with anything less than 440. Like I needed the load to actually push me into the ground. Okay. I like, so I was the exact opposite. So not only do I not consider myself an expert on the biomechanics part, I'm the opposite of the situation you described, mm. but I do have a theory about why people, why people end up cutting that load. And it's, I really do think it's because 
is a combination of lack of proprioceptive awareness. So they don't actually know where their butt is in the hole when they're doing their warm up sets. They just, they just do it and it goes and they don't have a problem with it. So nobody says anything. And then you get to your top set where you're like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. I'm nervous. Am I going to come up with this? Am I going to come up with this if I go a hair lower? So you're going to the lowest that your body tells you it feels safe going. And then you come up. So so to get back to the, you know, the original question of is, you know, is me, is depth going to be there on meet day? Um, no, for, like for some people, for some people it is. And that's the problem for like one or two people it is, but for mo for the vast majority of people, it's not, but everybody. And what I commented on your post, I think is everybody wants to think that they're the outlier. Everybody wants to think because they see Michael C squat high in training and he goes and hits depth in the meat. Like he's my favorite example. I watch his training videos and I'm like, dude, I know you can hit depth. Why didn't you just do it? And then he goes to the meet and then he squats American records. And it's like, all right, you know what? You're the guy, you're the one guy that everybody wants to be. Congratulations. But then everybody else is like, well, I know that I can do it. I know that I can do it because I did it with this warm upset. Well, that's that false confidence is really what, what lends people to believe that it is going to be there on meet day. And then it's like, it's not. I think the false confidence thing is huge. Like I always talk about it. I literally say it. I find myself saying it all the time. It's about training conservative and stuff. But that false confidence, like it's rooted in ignorance or it's rooted in uh, just simply not knowing or it's rooted from people telling you stuff that isn't true. Like, oh, that was depth. That was a pause, etc. And that was my response to you was don't, if, if you train with people who are yes men and you train with people who are, oh yeah, that was locked out and oh yeah, that was a great pause. And it's not like, either like tell them like just cut the shit like stop kissing my ass just tell me or just yeah shoot straight with me like i I, you're not helping me you're not helping me you Mm. they think that's the thing is like everybody wants to be good friends right like but you're not helping me by saying that dude like i coach some guy like i coach you know a few people and 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 one of them is a good mate of mine and and if he fucking if he does something wrong i'm gonna tell him like i'll tell him that wasn't pause that wasn't depth when he went off program and I had a go at him like friendly, but like, you know, and it's about calling people out and not calling them out, but just holding them up to their own standard. Like if you wouldn't, if you would want someone calling your depth, like, okay. I suppose if you got to put it like this, if you would want someone calling your depth, you should call their depth too. But if you would rather someone lie to you and be like, yeah, it was depth. If just to save your feelings, then fine. Do it. (laughs) But it's like, if you want honesty, like you got to give it to, because I'm going to give it to you regardless. I'm going to say that was high, no matter how good of friends we are or how worst enemies we are. I'll tell you if that spot <laughs> was high, right? But some people just won't do it. And it's like, I suppose it's to just protect their feelings or just because they have some followers on Instagram. Like, I mean, Russ Scott, like Russ, for example, Russ, some of the videos I watch of Russ, he's pretty good with depth most of the time, but then he'll go and, squat high in the meat and like that's one of the things that i don't understand because he does squat to depth and russ is a great lifter and he's very capable and he's coached by joey it's like where down the line is it going wrong it just must be when he gets under the bar and he's like this is heavy sean's on my ass and squats high and it's like i don't know what it is i don't understand it 
Well, he, I mean, he's talked about before in different podcasts. So I'm not just like, I'm not putting this out there as like, I, I don't know the guy personally at all. I just know what, what has been said on podcasts, but he's like, he's like, I have, I have local meat depth. I have USAPL national depth. And then I have IPF depth, IPF depth. And I know what I need to do to hit each one of them. And it's like, you know what, to be honest, that's good for you for having that much control. Mm. I mean, for real. But I, I don't see the thing is, is I don't have that level of control. And most people are not world class squatters and they don't have that level of control. So they can't be like that. You can't you can't look at that and be like, you know, I mean, he what you're saying is like if he's squatting the depth and training and then he's squatting high in the meat, like then then he actually is in control of it. That's what that tells me. Right but other people are not going to be in control of it. And that's where you run into the problems where it's like, well, I'm, it, it, the, the, it's going to be there on meet day is this implication of control. Right. And if you don't have any of that control, mm. then you don't, you, you don't have anything to back up that phrase that it's going to be there on meet day. And I mean, like there are, there are some certain times when people say it'll be their meet day. And I believe it like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're at that, they're like, a week and a yes. half out and they feel like just before your the bench, fatigue is through the roof just before and... the say like um for me so i have my last heavy bench single like seven days out eight days out the time before that so like 13 days out my bench is ass so when i'm like <laughs> 13 days out 140 kilos feels heavy i'm like it will be their meat day i know it will <laughs> and then it was and 170 was there so it... it's like it depends where you are in your prep but then you know and and you, some people sometimes you just got to take their word on it. You know, I tell my coach it'll be there. Like, I I trust you. I trust my body. And <clears throat> right. Some people will, and it just must be the front for Instagram. Like, yeah, I'll get it meet day or whatever. Because I know if if and I can imagine if you have a lot of followers, like, and you're prepping for a meet, people. I mean, like, imagine Alex Sador with the amount of followers that he has prepping for a meet. Everyone is breathing down your neck, wanting to see how heavy that deadlift single was. <laughs> wanting to see how heavy this was and and I'm not using him as an example cuz he cuz you know he does squat depth and that's something uh, I was going to say yeah his lifts are always yeah. really the comp standard yeah. he's and a, he's a fun lifter to watch Sean Sean holds him to that standard <laughs> and and he obviously is a good lifter but I'm saying like he, someone with his audience who actually cares right. so much about his training that, right. that and if say let's say you fail your last heavy single um you probably would want to say it'll be their meet day to make yourself feel better it's you know, you know, whatever it might be their meet day, but why don't you just say, <laughs> why don't you just say it wasn't there today? And right, hopefully, I will get it in the meet. <laughs> don't like, don't you it's, don't have to tell us. We we know that you don't know 100%. If you're saying it'll be their meet day, we, <laughs> we can see that you're unsure, and that's why you're saying it. You might be like 85% sure it'll be their meet day. <laughs> just say, I hope it is, and we'll say, we hope it is too. We, we hope we it is too. You. Yeah, exactly. It's, you don't have to pretend it's, that you know it'll be their meet day because you don't. At the end of the day, you don't know. Right. Well, I mean, the I think the last point that I made on that post was just that, like, nobody that's saying this is a bad person. Like, I don't think that anybody's no. saying this with malicious intent or, no. like, to intentionally fool themselves or to intentionally fool anybody else or not even to intentionally feed ego or anything like that. It's just, like, oh, everybody I, wants... I would say like, there's a little bit of ego, but continue. No, no, no. I said intentionally feed ego. At least I thought yeah. I said intentionally feed ego. No, I yeah, think no. that that is exactly what it's doing. That And that's, I mean, that's going to be my final point is that, you know, that that's ultimately what you're ending up doing because... The, the, there, I mean, there, 
there are days where I just, I can't, I'm not going to hit depth and, and I'm probably not going to post those squats, you know, if I'm not, but it's like, I know that's a one-off. It's the people that are consistently doing it, that are consistently hitting the same exact depth in training that are then like saying, that are then trying to use this excuse of it's going to be their Amite that end up running into problems where it's like, if it's the thing that you just said, like it's, you know, fatigue was high one-off one or something happened that day. I don't know, you, whatever happens, then that that's a more believable it's going to be their on meet day situation. It's the people that don't squat to depth, don't pause their benches, don't lock out their deadlifts or hitch their deadlifts or use straps for their singles. Oh, my God. Don't that, you bring up straps. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's those it's those people that I'm saying that it's 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 unintentional. It's, it's the ego feeding part of it that's like mm. – that yeah that that's where i think you run into problems and i mean it's not the it's not the hopefulness that i think that you run into problems oh the hopefulness is fine it's the ignorance and the ego thing yeah Mm. exactly and i mean you can tell when someone is training like you see just if there's like a reoccurring thing of overshooting or and you know you know let's say they do like a one like you know 170 single right and they should have done like 165 162 right it's like yeah 170 is cool it's sick three plates <laughs> is cool. it, probably does, it probably does a lot better on instagram but it's like right. when that starts to keep going on and you sort of notice like oh hang on they're just <laughs> over, they're reaching all the time for these heavy singles you know like 250 squat instead of like 242 it's because these are these numbers are cool and it's nice to see oh, yeah. four, four reds and a yellow. I mean, I've never squatted it, but like, and you know, it's cool to see, but then you sort of notice, oh, the trend here is we want to add the full plate or we want to get that half hundred or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it starts to get like more about what Instagram sees. And one of the things I actually discussed with um, one of my mates, is like, I'm in the off season now. And every time I post an off season video, I lose like three followers. And it's like, people, people don't, <laughs> People, and I've been posting long enough that it's not like people from school who are unfollowing me. Like I've been posting for a long time. It's lifters who unfollow you in the off season. And it's like, right. it's like, I don't care. Uh, the only reason I want followers on my Instagram is because eventually when I'm a coach, I want to have followers so people will want me as a coach. It's so like, <laughs> you know, if, if your off season is not super, if you're not wheeze or whatever like they don't want to watch your off season right it's like i mean that's one of the things too that's a driver if i cared if i cared a lot i probably would overshoot in my off season but um i posted a deadlift video and it's like repping like you know three reds and that's that's nothing but it's like and people people literally unfollow me because of that and it's like fine whatever but um you know ego in the in prep is you know it can be a good thing like ego is a driver of confidence yes. a driver of all that thing yes but i think ego in the off season is just ridiculous the off season is the most important part of anything it's when you take a step back um if some if you right. take a step back from social media to to not overshoot fine do it but um i think it's so, such an important thing to just like stay grounded and and it's you know, I go into the gym knowing that I'm going to go rep on deadlifts less than I can bench. That's not fun. Like I can bench 170 and I'm doing it for reps on deadlifts. Like that's not fun, but it's, it's what I have to do. And, and I don't care who's, you know, watches it's, it's, that's the right. work. I think if anything, like 
me having a bad volume capacity and not being able to do high rep deadlifts. It's like, if anything, it's more relatable because the people that follow me who aren't as strong as right. me, they're like, oh, hey, that's like my three rep max. So that's my one rep max. And it's, and it's, you know, when I see, when I see someone doing something that I can do, I'm like, oh, sick, you know, like <laughs> that person is stronger than me, but at least I can touch that weight for one or two. It's cool. And, and the, the younger guys who are getting into it, they have some, you know, it's more realistic, I guess. I'm a more, you know, right. my, um, cause I can't go and do six reps at 87 and a half percent. I'm not one of those people. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess that's, that's, I, I've, that's, I've said that exact same thing about myself. Like I, hmm. I think that when I first made my powerlifting Instagram, I kind of said that like, I'm, I, I considered myself a more realistic goal for some mm -hmm. people that were like at the lifetime that I was training at. Not that like, I'm then not that I was like, I'm should be somebody's goal. It was just that like, I was looking at the numbers that, you know, people like Taylor Atwood and Russ or he were putting up and it's like, man, I'm never going to do that either. So, but if I'm like this intermediate stepping stone, like I was looking at, like I was, I was following some people in between, you know, at the time where it's like, okay, if I can be that somebody's in between too, then that's going to be cool. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly right. I think like um, uh, in myself, it's I'm kind of in a place where because I'm heavy, so I, I'm I compete at one ten, and I'll probably even go one twenty uh, at the end of the year. Obviously, how tall are you? I'm six over six three, so inevitably okay. I'll be a one twenty, yeah, yeah. right? Because there's yeah. some one twenties who like Whistler. I don't think Whistler's tall, and he's a one twenty. So it's like I'll have to, I have to go up a category, right? I could be a strong man, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I've lost my point. Oh, um, no, I lost it again. What were we talking about? Uh, about like being somebody's like intermediate goal oh, or somebody that yes. you Okay, exactly. So like I'm like I'm as heavy as like, for example, Sean Mills or Alan. And it's like those guys, Alan Choi, like they're, they're so much stronger than me, but we're the mm -hmm. same weight. And it's like I'm that intermediate where like, because, you know, someone might be 80 kilos and they're like, oh, yeah, eventually I want to be a 110 because I'm tall mm -hmm. and I want to be. So it's like they can look at me and be like, he's a 110. He's not world class strong. He's not, you know, even world standard, barely national standard at all. But it's and like, maybe not leverages aren't might not be optimized yeah. for powerlifting. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think anything about being six foot three is optimized for powerlifting <laughs> or having, having, being tall and having average right. is certainly not something that I enjoy doing. But, uh, and I think it's like more realistic. And that's why I'm happy to post those boring things because it's like, mm -hmm. it's, I struggle with, I struggle with deadlifts. I struggle with even like the most simple thing, like a conventional deadlift because. I'm tall and I have to bend over so far to get the bar. Like what we were talking about before when I'm doing the dumbbell press, picking the dumbbells up off the ground. That's such a long right. thing for me. And it's such a deficit for me because of the short arms. And it's like, so I am more relatable to some people because there's, you know, people want to follow people like Sean, uh, Sean Mills and those guys who are teenagers, ridiculously strong, but at the end of the right. day, it's not really realistic. So I think, yeah, I do see myself as a more realistic um, lifter and, and eventually in a, you know in a couple of years because I got into the sport a bit late in a couple of years I'd love to be up to you know where Sean Mills is I'd love to squat right. 300 I'd love to squat <laughs> 300 but it's like for now and for a long time I am going to be relatable to like a lot of people well you say you got into the sport a little late I got into the sport when I was 21 and I wasn't even I did, I wasn't yeah. even serious about it until like 23 I wasn't even like saying hey I'm gonna this is I'm gonna I'm gonna actually dedicate all my training time to this mm, that's what I mean so. and it's like uh it's so cool to be a teenager and hit big numbers you know like 
Oh and, yeah. And I feel like it's I'm a little bit annoyed because I feel like around the time I'm like <laughs> not like 20 ish, 2021 is when I'm going to start being like impressive to some people. I feel like that's how long it's going to take me. Um, because like for plenty of reasons, but like, and I won't get to be like that team phenom that there's plenty of them who right. are, um, and then all of a sudden you turn 20 and nobody cares about your lifting. Um, but <laughs> now yeah, you're a junior. Yeah. As long as you're, as long as you're a teenager, people want to watch you. But I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of like, that's the thing. That's why that ego lifting is dangerous and stuff. Cause people do have an audience. I love to be completely honest. This felt shit. Um, my yeah. off season is always horrible. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the percentages that I can use in the off season, they're always super low. Like almost, right. I'm doing reps, almost a hundred kilos under my deadlift PR. It's just how right. it is for me. That's how it is. So it's, it's relatable and, and, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. And I think that's one of the things that I'd like to see more of. It's like, it, I, yes, exactly. And I mean like you, so you said something earlier too, about how like, um, about how sometimes you need to like take a break from social media to make sure you don't overshoot. And then, you know, we're saying all this stuff about like lifting the standards and stuff, but like, I know that I'm not immune to that. Right. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I haven't posted anything during this meat prep. Yeah. And this is the second time that I've done this where I'm, I, I'm, I'm six, maybe seven weeks out from me. I'm not sure. And I'm, and I've, I've already started my meat prep four or five weeks ago. And uh, the first time that I did this, I had my most successful meet, And it's just like, I don't, I'm not in, like, I'm not intentionally doing anything for an Instagram audience. I have no audience. I have 910 followers or something on Instagram. I'm not doing it for an audience, but I understand that even I'm susceptible to this, this, you know, potential for subconscious, some kind of mental alterations based on that. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I, I feel better not posting my top sets during me prep uh, sometimes and the stuff that I get most excited about posting, I was just having this conversation the other day is like when I'm like deep in the off season, really working on something, like when I learned how to really like feel like I was stacking my rib cage with my hips and, and I was getting this stuff down on a set of eight, three second te eccentric tempos. Like that was one of the things that I was most excited to post where it was just like this this, I'm pretty sure I had 365 on the bar. I'm like, look, this, this three, you know, whatever, uh, 170 or 165 160, kilos. Yeah. yeah. 165. Uh, it's just like, this was, I was so proud of this. Like I had been working hard on this and it's not going to show up on the number on the bar. I mean, I know that a lot of people now recently have, are like talking about ability PRs where it's like, I move this way to this faster RP, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's almost a meme, but it's like, it's not, it's not a meme. And mm -hmm. I'm more interested in those, the ability PRs in terms of like learning to control my body, uh, increasing my proprioceptive awareness can just being able to generate tension at a higher, at a higher rate and making things that might not show up in the top end strength right away, but making that mid to close to top range strength more consistent. So that way I can express that more often as opposed to experiencing technical breakdowns once I get closer to top end weight. So that way, once, that way I get to be the point where I can control the top end weight. I'm more confident with the top end weight. And I've never, I've never felt more like that than this meat prep than I have now. And one of the big things that I've been like posting about this previous off season was just like, I, I harped on control for myself. It was like, I'm going to tempo everything. I'm going to be able to control everything, my body, the weight, the way that I'm moving. And even 
even my mentality going into sets where I, I'm not, I, I talk about like controlling hype a lot as well. Like I don't try and get hyped up for mm. almost anything anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I completely agree with that. I can, I keep the hype, you know, I might, you know, I used ammonia for the first time in prep this prep, but that was the extent of it. Like I didn't train around people at the most. I trained around my girlfriend. She's just barely even watching me. So like, there's no, there's no you know, cause girls don't care about powerlifting, but you know, there's, 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 um, there's barely any hype. So unless they powerlift themselves. Yeah. Well, she, she, she can talk to me about it for a while. And then I just become annoying. Cause it's all I want to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's like, then you go to a comp where, you know, cause like I, I, um, compete in the like USPA fed, but the Australian. Okay. One. And so like, there's right. plenty of hype there. There's music and like you, you can sniff them on you're out mm-hmm. in front of whoever, like they don't care. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's heaps of fun. And, and the hype was there on the day, but if anything, it was something that I have to dial back. Like I, if I got hyped up for bench, I that's... would fail. Like I think, you know, I had to get hyped up. It's something yes. that I use something that I am so like in tune with that when I do use it, it's the difference between making it and not making it. So like, right. I've, in the last episode I spoke about, um, how I barely got my 170 benching comp. And after I grinded 165 for a second attempt and not really a grind, but it was like a nine, nine and a half. Mm -hmm. I was like, when I stood up from the bench, I was like, fuck 170 is not there. And I was like, and that was my goal. That was, I hit it in prep at like RP eight and a half. It was, it was awesome, but I wanted it in comp so badly. Um, right. And I was like, it's not there. I was like, fuck. And at this point I hadn't got hyped up because we always take a, like, if you listen to the episode, you would have known I take a conservative squat. We open relatively light on bench. Um, big jump to the second. Yeah. Yeah. So I hadn't used hype yet. And I was like, shit. So I just went and sat on my own and I just like, thunderstruck whatever acdc and got super mm-hmm. hyped up just like not physically hyped up but like mentally like, yeah yeah i was going insane waiting for my next attempt right and and then yeah the difference was the hype if i you know because the the 170 was rp 10 rp 11 so the difference would have been that mental hype and it's i think if i got hyped all the time it wouldn't have made a difference because obviously with the more you get exposed to something the more uh, you can handle it. So I think if right. I had done it a lot, then it wouldn't have made that difference. I think it's something that like people, people tend to get a bit too hyped and I don't know if it's for the camera or not, but it's like, you can literally use it as like an extra two and a half kilos, five kilos. You can use it for that. If you keep it contained, if it's you like, can tap it's into like the it. whole thing, right. like with ammonia, imagine you leave an ammonia bottle open, come back to it in three weeks. <laughs> how, how, how good do you think it's going to smell? Right. So like, or if you let a tiny bit out each time, I mean, I think I think hype is the, it works the same way. If you put the lid back, right. on, you put the lid back on quickly, it's going to be there next time. But if you right. do it too much too often, it's not going to be there when you come back next week. Right. Well, so I'm I'm the type of person I I've never actually even I've never used ammonia for a lift before. I'm the type of person that even if I like psych myself up a little bit, like. I can, I will stand over the deadlift bar and will start to feel my heart racing and be like, I need to take a step back and I need to go sit down. Like I'm the person that listens to Taylor Swift while deadlifting and gets made fun of for it. And it's like, I call it, I call it like calm focus. Like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to listen to my lifting playlist because it's like for squats, yeah, I'll get, I'll let myself get jacked up. But like for deadlifts, I need to be, I need to be so much more calm. I need to be focused Mm -hmm. and I I can't, I I can't have that sumo as well. Um, there's something about conventional it's, where you can listen to 
thunderstruck <laughs> and walk up and pull the bar off the ground. But I think, Simo, you have to put on the fifth orchestra or Billy, Billy Eilish <laughs> or something. No, link me, yeah, link me your no, Spotify. Link me your Spotify because I've been, literally, I've been playing like John Mayer and I've been bumping Bieber's new album for like three weeks now. Okay. Um, I see you. <laughs> I, I like, oh, it's just, man, yeah. my gym playlist gets so old. And because I train right. alone, it's always my it's, music. Like I can't just, t- you know, go to a public right. gym and just talk with my <laughs> headphones off. So it's like, I get so sick of my like rap music and shit. And I just end up putting yeah. something, something calm and whatever. So, but it, something it makes is a so, difference. Yeah. It makes a difference. It's a whole thing. Like that hyper specificity. If you do the exact same thing in the off season, if you listen to that same it's, PR for a volume set in the off season, it's like, yeah, well, it might not be as good in in the. It's, it's like that whole thing. It's like when you hear your PR song and it doesn't have the same effect anymore. Whatever the memes are, it's it works the same. Right. Way. You know, I was like, it's everything is in moderation. I tend to see stuff maybe it's, maybe overdone a little bit for Instagram, which is cool, and you get more views and whatever. But it's like, sure. It's like well, yeah. but the thing is, to me, it's like it is as somebody who can't manufacture that for myself or it wouldn't work like it it's cool to see and like you i mean you brought up whistler before like i love watching that dude oh, get hyped he's it just like he's you can feel you you feel it through the screen right mm-hmm. like it's he Ooh. he's not doing it for anybody yeah like <laughs> i'm like man do i, I wish that i could do that do i oh, wish yeah. that i could do that dude, like so i, wish so I, I understand why off. people try if I could take my shirt off and scream in a public gym, I would, <laughs> I would be invincible. I'm pretty good with, like, I don't care what people say about me, but if I was like, I cannot draw attention to myself in public. I hate attention. So it's like, I can't do it. I admire him and I know like. No, exactly. Exactly. Shit is real. Yeah. That's right. That's the whole thing is like, it's so odd. And like, and you, so you see that and you understand why people are going to want to recreate that, you know, like, because it's cool. It's like, it, it I'm not a hater of it at all. Like I'm an admirer of it, but for myself, it doesn't work. And I think that too many people, I think that a lot more people are like you and I in that regard where we can't just bring it all the time like that, but they see people do it and they try. I can barely go out and train sometimes and not that I ever like (laughs) skip a session, but sometimes I'll go out like first, second day of the week and physically I'm there, but mentally I'm like, fuck you know like because honestly if you open the program and and let you know it's the numbers just don't excite you because it's off season or it's first week of prep that has a massive effect like when you get everybody knows when you get toward the end of a prep you see a number on the program you're like shit like oh yes this is oh yeah exactly sometimes the program brings the hype for you exactly but when i have like four sets of eight close grip at, a, at 122 kilo bench that doesn't ex- that doesn't excite it's, me it's gonna be hard I, mi- I might barely make it through the last set but but it's, it's not, not yeah it's, it's not, not hard in the same mm, way it's, it's not, not hard, hard in the same, same way. way it's it's volume compared to like uh, you know it's, a 170 single might be the same rpe as a four by eight at whatever <laughs> but it's not right. gonna excite me the same way and so it's a whole different it's, mentality and stuff and i mean yeah maybe maybe bringing the hype to that session like today would work for me but i'm just i'm not gonna get hyped up i probably won't even listen to i probably will go and listen to justin bieber when i do it so it's like you know if it's there it's there if i miss the last rep i don't i don't care right well i mean that's the thing too is like and i and i and i made a note of this to to myself but like i i know that like in the off season you can phone in some sessions and there's like days you go in and you get the work done and that's it you know like you weren't mentally there but you went in and you did what you had to 
but once me prep started, like I started noticing that like all my sessions got more crisp. It was like, I was more excited to be in the gym. I was doing all like, I was executing better too. It was like, man, is it, and, and you go through like that moment of introspection where it's like, should I have been bringing this every single session? And, and I just don't know if that's possible. It was like, it was something about the, the specific, the specific block that like just di- that ended up dialing me in. And it was like, I'm really excited that this happened and it's great. But then you had that moment where it's like, should I have been doing this the whole time? And I really don't think you should. I think that that's the answer that I settled on is, is were those mundane sessions what built this yeah, potentially? And, and of course, and <clears throat> sorry, um, okay. I think there's that, that whole idea of mental burnout too. Like those guys, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to name names, but like there are some people where I'm like, yeah, well, you might be this driven now and you might be like, I'm not going out. I'm not going to have a sip of alcohol. I'm not going to, but it's like, mental burnout is such a huge thing and I've spoken to a few people about it now and people don't realize mental burnout is such a massive thing and you may not notice it but you know there are people who just drop it's... off if you, if you ever heard of someone who's like oh where did that powerlifter go or oh yeah that dude used mm-hmm. to it's like it's usually injury or mental burnout it's like they don't have the motivation it's... to do it anymore I mean and and that's when it... the whole it links back so train conservative <laughs> You lower the risk of injury. You don't get injured. You can keep training, or you overshoot all the time, get injured, lose motivation, it's, can't keep training. So it's like right. you, you got to these things are all linked so much. They're both positive feedback loops for sure. And exactly. the sport that we compete in, it's so monotonous by nature. And so really, what I think and and uh, Jeff Thompson and I talk used to talk about this all the time, where it's like people don't fall in love with the process of training. So that I think it's a different way of saying what you're saying, where you, you call it train conservatives. That way you can stay healthy. That way you can love trainings. That way you can continue to positive feedback loop. Right. But even it's more, I would call it a process, uh, understanding of loving to learn the learning to love the process of training where it's like, yeah, you know what? Some days you are going to have to go in and you're going to have to hit your four by eight and it's going to be at 70% of your one rep max. And that weight isn't going to excite you. And the sooner or the more that you can learn to love those days where it's like, yeah, it was, it was mundane. It was monotonous. It was very sub max. It was very conservative. That's how, that's how you're going to continue to just build momentum and, and longevity is a lot of times the name of this game. Mm. And it's something about like the way I look at it, it's like in the off season, I my like I said, my deadlift and squat have to be so low, right? And I even posted a smart ass caption yesterday, and I was like, "Who knew that training conservative will get you big PRs and keep you injury free?" Because like that's if you if I had to like talk about one thing, it'd be training conservative. But and you know, um, mm-hmm. and those numbers are super low, and it's boring to do, and it's not nobody on Instagram cares, and it, the numbers don't excite me in the off season, but. If you think about it and let's say you look back and you're like, hang on, but last time I did an off season like this, I hit a big PR and it's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I should appreciate this more because, and like, definitely you should appreciate it more, but you got to think, oh, maybe I should appreciate it more. And, and, and because of what it did last time, you know, maybe, maybe first first time volume blockers, you know, people who are doing it, they might hate it. They're like, why the hell are we doing this? But if you've done plenty of successful off season blocks, why not do it again? Why not replicate I mean, if, you know, we, my coach and I have been together for a year or so, we've just found the perfect off season. Last se- last off season was the perfect off season. About halfway mm-hmm. through, we found the perfect deadlift volume. 
we're going to keep it the exact same this off season. So it's like, it might be the same rep scheme. It might be the same or, you know, similar numbers, you know, right. slightly heavier, it's... but the same scheme, same percentages. Now, why change it? You know, right. why bother? It's, well, I, and something, something that I've incorporated a lot is, is just like, is giving the, and, and for me, it's easy for me to get excited about these things. So maybe it's easier said than done, but giving like variation, some kind of max or, you know, working towards something at RP nine, like I can get hyped about uh, my beltless three zero zero tempo five max, you know, like I could get hyped about that. And, and maybe that's something that not everybody could do, but learn, but something like that, where it's like, okay, this is, you know, even, even though I'm taking this at RP nine, and it's a five set. It's a five. It was, you know, I think that this most recent block, I, I hit five Oh one for nine at a three zero zero Bellas tempo. And it's like that, you know, that's not going to be a crazy, a crazy PR for me in terms of like, if I threw a belt on and did it without a tempo and that number is still going to be pretty far off in terms of absolute load from what I could do if I threw a belt on and did it without a tempo. But if I can still get excited about that PR at the end of that block and what that might mean, into the translating to the next block, you know, into comp squad fives. Now it's like, it, it's things like that too, where it's like that to me is still conservative where the weight is still something or the, the overall package of what it is, the movement, the, the tempo, the weight, the way that I approach it is something that I can get excited about. Then that's still conservative to me. It's still something that I can get excited about. It's still something I can build momentum off of. And, and it, it all goes back into the same thing of, of it was, you know, keeping me healthy, but keeping me enjoying training. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. Like you program for yourself, right? And I program for a couple of guys. I don't do my own programming, but that the one thing with mental burnout, like it links back to enjoying training. So if you're, you know, that's some stuff that you have to do. I don't like doing four second tempo safety bar squats. I don't like doing it. You don't uh, like that? No, I what? do not like it. No. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, I don't like it. Um, but the rest of the program is fun or 90% of it is fun. Right. And, and I don't like Bulgarians or whatever. So it's like, as long as most of it is cool, of course, there are some exercises that you're going to do that you don't like. But as long as you're not doing most exercises that you don't like i mean as long as the i don't like this exercise is less than 50 percent of the time right you know then you should be okay and that's a whole thing with mental burnout like if you really hate an exercise you cannot stand doing whatever tell your coach be like hey right um in if you know any good coach can substitute it for something else unless it's a very very specific exercise they can sub sure. it for something else so you know, don't and you and, and and I think that you talked about this uh, in a previous episode, but like uh, it's something that that um, my buddy Cole and I call the illusion of choice. Like, like if you say if you go to your coach and say, hey, I really don't like this. And then your coach comes back and says, OK, well, what would you like better? And then now it's like, but we're I'm going to give you the construct or the confines with which and you can with which you can pick this exercise. And it's like, OK, now now it feels like you have some input into your training. It feels like you made a decision. It's something that you're going to enjoy doing. And it's hopefully achieving the same purpose of what the other exercise was going to do. Mm. And now it's a win, win, win for mm. everybody involved, including your coach. And I urge people like uh, if you're, if you're a lifter listening and you uh, are sort of new with coaching or you kind of, 
nervous about like you know disappointing your coach or whatever that sort of thing like don't work like they you're you're paying them so they work for you essentially or however you want to look at it oh yeah like you're paying them so they're doing something for you you know that you know so they should be helping you in any way they can right if you are uncomfortable with something just say your coach like hey um this 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 is what i'm feeling this is what's happening can we sort it up or even better if they put something in your program and you don't understand it question them that's one of the huge things like there's things with these young dudes and 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 people selling like i've na- put dropped a couple of names in the past people who just do a huge lift and then start writing programs when they get good feedback on instagram it's like that's not what it takes if you know let's say you're coached by one of those people question what they're doing question this and if they can't tell you if they can't tell you why you have um you know four different hinge exercises (laughs) on the same day not that i'd ever recommend that they you like if they can't explain what's in your program they're they're not putting enough thought into it um right and you know you need to maybe swap coaches you know they should be able to explain sure on the spot you should be able to explain anything that's in a program right Sorry. yeah and especially because it's not it's not it's not rocket science to throw together exercises that are going to work well in the same day in the construct of a block in ter- in terms of what you want oh you know what you want to achieve like there there are so many small aspects of individuality that go into programming but there's also a lot of just bigger overarching themes that almost every program hits mm. and it's not hard to fit things into that to not make it totally asinine, I guess. I mean, it sounds simple, but like some people still get it really wrong. Like some people who write programs still <laughs> stuff it up really badly. And it's like, it's a pretty simple it's- thing. You have a primary day, you have a secondary day. Maybe you have a tertiary day for bed. Oh, so now you're now you're assuming that everybody should follow daily undulating periodization. <laughs> okay, all right. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> no, I, let's yeah. say, let's say, like, that you are, you are writing that. You know, you're new to coaching, whatever. Try, try primary day, secondary day, maybe tertiary day. It's pretty. It's a pretty simple concept, but like, you have these. Um, right. You have like big, not big name coaches, but like sort of people who kind of do coaching on the side. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I've seen some of the programs, I've spoken to some of the lifters and it's pretty crazy. Like people you'd think would know this stuff who don't know right. this stuff. It's like you, what you just said and the, the things I just said, pretty simple, right? People who have like two primary days, like I've seen, why would you have like two primary <laughs> days like, that are like pushing equally as hard. Like have have a primary day and then have a secondary day that's almost as hard if you have to do it. It's like, you know, simple stuff that you think people <laughs> will know. And well, that's what I, I give. The, I, have, I give myself never, two primary deadlift days, so I can't. I can't yeah, even. Yeah, but talk, you would have one. You could have one that you would have one that was like harder than the other, or is the second one right. like a is like an accessory, like a. It's so so going into this. I'm going into a meet where um I'm I'm competing on a deadlift bar for the first time where I'm programming deadlift bars. So I was trying to introduce it slower. So um my primary day was deadlift bar fives, mm-hmm. and then my my one a day was, um, a pause single on the stiff bar. So I was keeping the stiff bar in and it was paused. Yeah. So even, but I'm pushing the intensity at that as if it were, well, that's a tricky um, thing because you're transitioning there. So I think you are right in like, cause you have to go from this, 
where it was the camera. It's, you have to go from there, <laughs> bring bring them to here, push and then let the other one take like over. That. So it's like, yeah, yeah no, exactly. That sounds like a really good way to do it. But I'm, yeah. Um, you, you no, I know what you're saying. But it was just funny because, like, yeah. when you're saying that, and oh, I, was no. talking, I was showing my buddy my program. He's like, "So you have two primary deadlift ah. days?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, kinda." Nah, what well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a tr- transitional thing, but like, you can never assume that people know stuff. Like, in, right? And and it's and you've probably heard me rave on about it before. Like, <laughs> as a new coacher, like as someone coacher, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> as a new person who is coaching and sort of, I'm only a year into it. It's like you get grouped with like people will hate on new coaches on oh, new coaches. Like they know nothing. It's, and especially if you're young, you just get immediately disregarded. It's like, right. For one, I always say strength doesn't equal intelligence and age doesn't equal intelligence. So it's like, I think Young, young coaches do get disregarded a lot and obviously i don't think i'm ready to coach a competitive powerlifter at any level i just right it's just a matter of experience is, yeah. is what it is that's that's what it is right and like i, and you, I know you I understand can. that you've yeah. talked about that yeah and and i don't want to coach anyone who's competing until i have like two years experience until then i just right. want to coach people who want to get stronger eventually I'll, I'll coach like actual powerlifters but it's like i don't think it's fair to group young people together as uninformed or misinformed because they're right. young just simply because they're young it's like i can put in it's, just as much effort as a 28 year old can into into research sure i'm not yeah, show any, me your body of work show me yeah. your body of work and then we can see who's you know exactly. more than, because yeah it's even like, somebody with a ton of experience can do it wrong yeah it's, it's like someone happens question, all the time someone would question me and and how i'm uh, able to coach some lifters like beginner lifters but it's like you wouldn't question the 28 year old who has 10,000 on Instagram you wouldn't question him because well, I would but lots of people wouldn't question him because of because of their name or because of how many right. followers they have it's like why I think yeah I just think there's like a there's too much focus on age and and like how strong you are it should be like how experienced you are and how much effort you put into coaching because if you look at like and how much you know yeah yeah the other day i because i didn't realize the strength athlete guys weren't huge dudes with huge numbers i saw on king of the list story well braces yeah well who no who am i thinking of whoever coaches atwood with the glasses Oh, the strength guys. The strength guys. Sorry, sorry. They're too close. Yeah, Yeah. TSA, the strength athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, like that dude with glasses. That's not a big dude. Like I would have assumed athletes, uh, um, (laughs) Atwood's Atwood's coach looked like a gorilla or something. But this, he just looks like your average guy. And it's like, if you walk down the street, you could not pick him for a powerlifting coach. Right. And it's like you shouldn't base if Atwood is not basing his training off what people look like, their coaches. (laughs) then you should not discount someone because they are not huge or they are not this or that. Right. It's like, yeah. no, I mean, but what can you do? That's going to happen it's, forever and ever in every aspect of anything. Right. And that's, I mean, and that's why, it, yeah, that that's why it, with, but with powerlifting coaching specifically, you have at least a chance to show off your skills. I think where, yeah. you know, a couple people will take a chance on you and you can take a chance on them in the same way. And you can use them and they'll use you for you to both gain experience. I mean, that's kind of what I did for a long time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Like they got to take a chance. I'm grateful. I have like seven or eight guys. Yes. They've taken the chance on me. Um, you know, even the, the guys that I started coaching at the very start, I literally said to them, I have no experience. Like I have literally no experience. <laughs> I do right. my own research. If you hop on board, like I'll give you anything that I can and for mm-hmm. essentially not nothing every week. So, and now, 
those guys stayed with me and they liked the progress. And it's like, I, I owe it to them everything that I have now with coaching. I owe it yep. to th- those <clears throat> guys that trusted me. Oh man, sorry. <laughs> I owe it to those guys who trusted me when I had nothing. Right. That's what it is. You know, people always say like, oh, I owe everything to you. But it truly is that like they took a chance on me with their training and their um, safety and that sort of thing. And I'll forever owe it to those first few lifters, essentially. It's, I, I, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's how it goes. I mean, my, my first, the first guy I ever coached was just, was my buddy who was running the exact same version of the modified pH three that I wrote for myself, where I was like, man, pH three, this seems to be a little bit too much volume and intensity. Maybe I could tweak this and throw a variation in. And this is before I knew anything about coaching. And then he just ran it alongside by me and, and that was, and that was the beginning, you know, it's just like some people are just like, yeah, I'll do it with you. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, like one of my, the first guy I started coaching, we trained together and I just started getting a little bit stronger than him. And, and because of that, like he starts to trust what I say. And that's generally how it is. Like you just start to trust someone cause they're stronger or whatever. Um, and that's, yeah, how it all started off for me. But like, that's, you know, I, um, I don't want to. I almost like, I almost think I don't want to tell people my age. Cause as soon as you say your age and then that you're a coach, it's like, or that you are trying to be that's, a coach. It's like, Oh, he's like 19 <laughs> and they sort of discount you. I just don't, I don't like that sort of attitude. It's like, yeah, I, I don't have as much experience, but it's, that doesn't mean that I can't do research and, and that sort of thing on right. the side. They just think cause you're young, you're not going to do your own research. Like I can type in studies on the internet as well. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the whole thing of just, of just age doesn't equal something experience doesn't even equal, you know, guaranteed success. It's just, and so much of coaching is finding a match for you anyway, finding somebody who's your personality matches with and that you you can communicate with and it's a relationship like anything else. And it's just like, it's, people, people do just hire coaches because they have a name or whatever, but like, I think that the more important thing, it would be like some kind of some kind of um, entrance interview where you actually get to sit down and talk with the person and maybe some recommendations from existing clients. So that way they can say, yeah, this is, you know, this is what he does for me and this is how he handles this situation. And I think that more, that kind of stuff more than anything, the testimonials is the most important thing. Like, right. At the end of the day, like, yeah, the, the numbers show this and I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Josh, the episode I did with Josh where we spoke about, Oh, this coach got, let's just a random example. Let's just say Joey with Russ's. No, that's a bad example. Let's just say like <laughs> a, a coach, a new lifter comes with this coach. Right. And all of a sudden with the new coach, they're hitting these sick numbers and it's like, oh, the new coach got them to these new numbers. But it's like, what about all that work that the all other the work coach up to did? It. The, the other, let's say, the previous coach did. And it's like, you can't just base, um, because it, it can happen. You can have someone like, let's say, the old coach is trying all these different things, and they're just on the verge of, you know, like unlocking the perfect amount of volume or perfect way to peak this person. Right? They're like, okay, I'm done with you. I'll get a new coach the new coach just happens to try it. And then all of a sudden, all the work they did there looks like it carries over to here. And so I think the testimonial at the end of the day, it's like how well you communicate, how honest you are, the way you go about feedback as well. Like the way you talk. Right. Cause like, I'm very like, I look up to my coach in, in, in all different ways. And it's like, 
the way he speaks to me matters. Like if he started being blunt or um, yes, n- not communicating, it would really affect my training and like the relationship we had. So I think that's something super important. Like um, the the way that you treat them, it's 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 a lot of times the way the narrative is presented is more important than the narrative itself. And, and it's the not looking down on them thing. They might not be as strong mm-hmm. as you. They might not be as old as you or experienced, but it's like they are at the end of the day, they are the exact same as you. It just, happens, <laughs> it just so happens that they trust you with their training. It's like, don't right. down on. And that's one of the things Um, the other day, like I saw that David Wilson guy, whatever his mm-hmm. name is, um, when that guy asked him what the velocity tracker was. <laughs> yeah. And, and Garrett, he just shat Garrett on Fury him. posted that. And he just yeah. like absolutely shat all over him. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's that thing. It's like I'm stronger than you. I look down on you. That's that's how I interpret that thing. That sort of attitude. Yeah, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see if he had uh, if he had a rebuttal to that at all, or if he responded to it, or if anything happened. But it was the the screenshots that Garrett posted that I saw were made him look really bad, didn't they? And yep. I, and that and that's it, yes. Yep. I think his response was. Um. I think the the guy said, "Oh." you don't have to be so like, you could have just explained yeah, it to yeah. me or whatever. And he's like, don't, he's like, well, don't ask me stupid questions. Or something. Yeah. The internet, the internet's a big place or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, honestly, so. there was a period of time where I did not, although there was like, I'd, you know, cause for a start, I think they're pretty, right. pretty like, don't waste your money on them if you don't need to. Um, but like for, there was like a period of six months where I was seeing them and I had no idea what they were. And I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> look like that and guy. I, and that. I should. I didn't want to be that guy that got shat on by whoever. Exactly. And, and I ended up asking my coach. I was like, what the hell is this thing? It's like, oh, you know, it's a velocity it's... tracker or whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like, and with those, like, um, the tracking stuff is important. Like, you got to track your nutrition or you track your recovery and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But at what point do you need to start tracking velocity of the bar? Like there are so many other things. Like let's say, let's say, and that David guy, he probably does track everything. He's like a world-class athlete, but there's some other guys that use those velocity trackers. And it's like, are you tracking RPE properly? Are you tracking nutrition? Are you tracking sleep quality and quantity? Are you tracking like daily steps? Are you tracking all these things that you could do before this? I mean, velocity is the last thing I'd be tracking on my list. (laughs) As a as a as a powerlifting nerd, I do I love the idea of it. Um, it's cool. I just I just know that also as a neurotic lifter, I I don't think that I could actually properly implement it. And I know that people do use it um like to correlate to RP and it actually does end up if you track it for long enough and diligently enough that it will correlate very, very strongly to RP. Um, but there are just some days where I'm like, yeah, you know, the bar is just moving slow today. I could have done five yeah, more reps. Happens. They all would have been at the exact same speed. So it happens. Right. Yeah. So it's there's, tough. Yeah. There's a whole lot of, I mean, that's what the, the powerlifting community, like we don't make it easy to grow the sport. Like we're trying to grow the sport, but <laughs> some people make it really hard for other people. Like, like it's, people like Sean and Joey and Candido, they're trying their best to just help the sport grow. Right. influence how people train and influence the type like Garrett fear with the meats he put on. Like that's awesome. And then some people make it really hard, like treating people like that. I saw a comment a while back and it was like, Oh, Oh, this is what it was. Actually. There was a quote. It was Louis Simmons saying something like, if you aren't willing to die for this sport, it's not for you. Yep. For a start. And you would have seen it reposted by Garrett as well. It was, that is the, like, 
because Garrett tagged Jamal and Hack, and they're like, "Yeah, he's like, said, are he's you like, guys willing you? to die for this?" Yeah, yeah. And they said no, and it's like, fair no. enough. No, they are not. Of course, they're not. I mean, you don't play powerlifting. They're probably some soccer fans. Like back in, you know, I know like some of the older Manchester United fans, they probably would have died for their club and that sort of thing. <laughs> but like powerlifting is a new sport. It's not that like it's, heartbreaking. Um, and it's like, it's yeah. Not anyway, that so hard. One it's the, really not that hardcore. One of the, one of the comments was another dude who I follow, who I, who's like younger than me. He was like, this is stupid. And this coach who I'm not going to name just because I don't think they deserve the attention. Uh, and you, <laughs> Um, may know them but they just absolutely started going sh- ham on this kid like oh you wouldn't know because your total is this and you bench like 100 kilos and like um, oh you'll never make it as a powerlifter if you don't think this and that and <laughs> this guy is like a lifetime intermediate like has no place to be saying anything <laughs> and just like shitting on a 17 year old about his potential like who does that? And then you're gonna go call yourself a coach, oh, and man. there'll be some people who are listening it's... who who know who I'm talking about because they would have seen the comment too. But it's like just crazy. Like as a coach to just treat a random kid like that who wasn't even talking to you or about you, and you just butt in and it's... say like you'll never make it as a powerlifter. Like, like that's the, that's the it's... stuff that makes kids quit and like yes. lose motivation or just or not or not get into it in the first place there's exactly. a lot of the old heads of powerlifting that oh, love dude. to gatekeep you got to be so tough to do this you got to be blah yeah. blah and i'm like i was I'm, i'll be the first person to tell you that i'm not tough like yeah. if I, <laughs> and, if I'm, tell, and i'm okay at this if louis simmons found out how conservative i train he'd probably punch me in the face <laughs> they those dudes, if you don't come out of a without a session, doubt if you don't come a out doubt. of a training session with a torn acl you shouldn't even be training like <laughs> Why bother, you know? The story it's, like yeah. the West Side to the Against the World like documentary or whatever. It's, that yeah. is terrifying. If you watch that <laughs> I, and you're scared to get into powerlifting, that is not what it is. Like that's a, I hate it. I hate that that's I hate that that's our representation on Netflix. We that's the like, visual, we, right? We have like two things on Netflix and one of them is that West Side thing and that is yes. the oldest just most ridiculous like yep. terrible representation of what we do in reality I used to, it's yeah. much more boring than that in reality so much but, more boring <laughs> yeah it's just not what it you is you don't got to be willing to die for it no you, you don't be... <laughs> you don't even have to be willing to get injured at all you right you don't have to get injured at all <laughs> it's marvelous you yeah and not hurt yourself i've yeah i've been in i've been in the comment sections of um of greg panora's instagram page where he's fired back at me a couple times being like where i've just said like this this attitude needs to die like this 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 old school gatekeeping attitude is just it's not productive anymore we actually know that internal load matters that yeah it's uh, i'm not gonna say that your feelings matter but like hey maybe your feelings kind of matter uh, you, you do know that when you're pushing too hard, you don't need to you go to war every single time you go into the gym. It's okay to not rip ammonia for your warm up set of 120 kilos. Mm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few misconceptions that I'd like to see gone, but what can you do? People don't change. Yeah. People won't change. Like there's a lyric in the song. It's like people will something about people will start to be like the lie about something so much that they just start to believe it's actually true. And then once they start believing it's actually true, you can't tell them otherwise. That's it. 
then it's over. Yeah, they just manifest it into their own little reality <laughs> of truth where it exists to them in the most honest form, but it means nothing to anybody it's, else. <laughs> it's so true. Mm. It's so true. What time is it for you, man? Is it getting late? It's about nine thirty. Oh, it's only nine thirty. Um, yeah. I think we've been going for a little while, man. We might have to wrap it up in yeah. a second. About an hour and a half. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say. I mean, hour. I said that we could. Talk, I could talk forever, but we I could do, talk I forever. We didn't even get it's through a- half of the notes that I had. We 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 had so much to talk about. <laughs> There's still like three. Or we'll, four have to, we'll have to do it again. We'll yeah, have to man. do it again well, when I have over a your... thousand followers. Yeah, man. I don't want to talk to anybody on the podcast who doesn't have a thousand followers. So if you want to come on, just just give up. If all right have... well i'm gonna start i'm gonna go pay some bots right now the cloud yeah. is about to be insane oh man just start start writing really big heartfelt it's... captions oh get some going That's... It, like literally i can't do it i like i can't not- do it i, I, to... I noticed go ahead. the less you put in your caption and the less emojis or fucking cringe whatever the, the less <laughs> attention you get if you put more words more emojis more screaming you get more like whatever it's like you get more audience <laughs> the the uh yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah i'll have you back on when you have a thousand followers all right i appreciate that yeah thanks heaps for coming on man i'm actually just gonna hop off and i'll put this up straight away all right i appreciate it thanks awesome. for talking to me dude. no we'll you're ma- no, man thanks for coming on all right have a good one later you too